0: The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, number 153, from Monday, May 19th, 2008.
1: Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab. I'm Dave Hamilton. I'm here with John Braun. Hi, John. How are you? I didn't hear the music. Yeah, that's cuz uh the, the you know, we just finished doing that podcast uh podcast. We did a a the uh mm, uh mm. We did a users group meeting for the Cleveland, Ohio users group. The North Coast Mug, I think is what it's called, NC Mug. And uh and we were having all those weird we did it over iChat. So we did this video thing where it was this three-pane deal and they were in one pane and John and I were each in another. Uh but there was a weird thing with iChat and Echo, and it was a big disaster. And so I had turned down the feed that sends you music at one point during all that, John, because I thought maybe that was causing the Echo. Of course, it wasn't. But uh, but the music made it to our, our listeners, and you'll you'll get to hear the music uh, when you listen back. But I'm just going to tell you right now, John, you're probably not going to be surprised.
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> Though we are looking, we've had a few submissions, so if you, uh you know, mm-hmm. have a... Uh, any sort of musical or computer generated musical talent uh, and you think you have a little ditty that people
1: would like to hear uh, over and and over and and over again, (laughs) every, every single week. Uh, Yeah. Okay. So we have all, we just, okay. So John and I just finished doing an hour with uh, all about cleaning your Mac. Uh, So we're going to, we're going to pull a couple of highlights from that. And then, uh, then we'll get into some tips from you folks. And uh, maybe some questions. And I think we've even got a geek challenge, John. So. Uh, all right. So with that, I, let's dive into the tips and uh, and I'll just I'll, I'll go ahead. I'll, I'm already wet, so I'll just stay in the water here. Mm-hmm. Mm, one of my favorite ways of cleaning up my Mac, you know, I get sick and tired when I see that amount of free space starting to drop much faster at a much faster rate than I ever expected and I always wonder, what the heck is taking up all this space? And I found a great utility uh, from Omnigroup.com called Omni Disk Sweeper. It's a free, well, it, it's a free download. Uh, I believe it's 15 bucks to buy it, if I'm not mistaken, fourteen ninety five US. What it does is it scours your drive, takes maybe 5, 10, 15 minutes, and, and then gives you a column view, not unlike the column view in the finder, except it sorts everything by size. And so you can go through and see what's taking up the most space on your drive and navigate through and figure out what's there. And then if you pay for it, you can actually delete right from there. If you don't pay for it, you've got to go and and navigate to the same place in the finder and delete from there. Uh, I actually found two gigabytes worth of logs from Skype that uh, I had totally forgotten. I was logging all kinds of things with Skype and it ate up two gigs on my drive once. So I was able to uh you know delete those and, and so that it I you know, do I run it every week? No, I'm not quite that obsessive, but uh, I maybe a couple times a year, a couple three times a year I'll do it. So Omni Disc sweeper. That's my that's my cleaning tip for the day.
0: Okay. And and I got one here which you know uh, is related. So this is the poor man's sweeper, but it also does so much more. Okay. So if you go in the finder and and you know, I hadn't been here for a while, but if you go to the finder and do um Command F or find from the file menu, you'll get a uh, a find dialog or you know a, a ways to search your drive, and normally it lists a few things you know kind last open date stuff like that. But then it has an other category, and I'm like, hmm, you know, I wonder what's there. Oh my goodness, there is a boatload of stuff there. There must really album name alpha channel altitude app altitude. These- Wait a minute. You know, I think this is doing. A variation of um, what we were talking about before, magic and stuff. I mean, it has these file attributes that I don't know how you would know what they are. Oh. Except if this had detailed knowledge of what's inside of a file. Um, but one of the attributes here, if you go, to, and I don't know, bring, bring up the list, Dave, while you get a... Yeah, I'm, I'm doing you that. You know, EXIF GPS version. The, again, oh. the more I think about this, the more I think... That it does dig inside of files and may use this database. But, anyways, the one that you could try, the poor man's this uh, sweeper, is search by size and say, show me things that are over a gigabyte, maybe a good place to start. Anything that's over a gig, you probably should know about it. Um, well, this yeah, is. See, there's a whole bunch of. This good is stuff a cool
1: there. list. Yeah, I had installed uh, Parliant Software's Phone Valet on, mm-hmm. actually, not on this computer, but on this computer's predecessor. Uh, some of you longtime geek Gab listeners will remember the show that we had to do when John didn't have bandwidth or maybe I didn't have one of us didn't, I think it was John and I had to call you on the phone. And so we used phone valet to, uh, to record the podcast that one night. And, uh, and so I had phone valet installed on, on the computer here. And in this list, there's probably six or eight phone valet things, the call type, what kind of line mailbox, the raw number, recent, unheard, so apparently there's there's attributes that uh, that applications can can drop here this is this is cool. We got to dig more into what this actually is. I like this. so size
0: is one of my tips, and the other would be the though they were list it would be date is you know if you're going to do a spring cleaning, ask it. You know, show me things that are older than five years. I don't know. Maybe sure. like, maybe you're a pack rat. Maybe you're not. <laughs> um, or maybe it's a long forgotten application. The leftovers from a long forgotten application that uh, you want to get rid of. So, uh, so there's a, a couple I have in here, a launching point for what I think could be a, a reexamining this feature. Because it, it surprised me seeing all those things there.
1: Yeah, I wonder if you can search for stuff that's Rosetta versus Intel. I'm looking to see where that might fall. But I can't find it. But if, if we do find it or if you know where it is, send us a comment. How's that sound? Right. And you know what? Let's uh, let's talk about how they can send us comments, John, because we always forget about this and leave it till the end. But we should talk about it now. So
0: we, I always remember. I know you do. I know it's me. It's always so they me. can call us uh, at uh, 206-666. Yeah.
1: Two oh six 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 geek, which is four three three five. You can email feedback at MacGeekGab.com dot com or you can Skype to uh Mac-E-Cab? That's right. <laughs> you win. <laughs> uh okay. Our first sponsor for this show is actually a new sponsor, and it's second gear software with their product called Today. And what today is, is anybody that uses iCal can launch this product and in one window, see everything that's on the schedule for today, as well as any to do's or tasks that are due today. Uh, you can add new tasks or new events. You can move to other days and then quickly jump back to today. Uh, but it, it's a it's a one day snapshot view in a very compact window. Uh doesn't take up tons of space on your desktop. Uses exactly the same data that iCal and of course Mail use. So it, as soon as you make a change in this, it's made in iCal and Mail. If you make a change in iCal or Mail, it's up, it's immediately reflected in this. Uh, and like I said, you can you know schedule meetings, do whatever you like right there in the today window. And you can download a free trial now. The software is fifteen bucks. You can download a free trial and check it out. And if you like it, you can buy it. For 10% off with a coupon, and the coupon is MGG153, because this is MGG153. That's today from Second Gear Software at secondgearlc.com slash today. And with that, a couple of shows ago, two shows ago, John, we were talking about, wouldn't it be great to have system-wide EQ, much like we have in iTunes? Well, many of you wrote in uh, and, and Christian actually, mm, nah, we've been talking for a long time tonight, folks. Christian actually called in and said this.
2: Hi, John and Dave. It's uh, Kershen from uh, Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Uh, long time listener, first time um, making a comment. Um, on show number 151, there was a gentleman who was asking about um, Equalizer for the uh, the Mac. Turns out there is a product from Joe Soft, J O S. J-O-E-S-O-S-T JoeSoft.com I just noticed it in uh, Otherworld Computing and it does 3D sound equalizer no I have not used this product personally but I've just seen it on the uh, the net and um, thought you all might want to know about it <coughs> um, keep up the great work love the show especially that 151 brings back memories uh, especially uh, if you remember Call Minus 151 in the Apple 2 days yeah I gave back myself all the way back to 79 Apple II wow. back then. Uh, here's where you cut me off.
1: Yeah, and I, I, I apologize. I think your name might not be Christian, and I couldn't tell exactly what you said, and apparently that's what I wrote down. But yeah, call negative 151 got you into the assembler. Is that right, John? Oh, and here's one you
0: may remember. 3Dog, or 3D0G. Yeah, that puts you in 80-column mode, right? Oh, I thought it did something. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of C600 then. Uh,
1: now, what did 3D0G do? I thought it... Booted uh booted one of the hard drives. It, it booted from whatever was in slot, slot th- th- three. Yes,
0: I thought, and then there were ways to copy stuff from from ROM to RAM and and relocate.
1: Uh, right, and you can. I remember that's Ray right.
0: Dog did something useful. it's, it's, it's yeah. uh, I'll have to try an emulator and see what it does.
1: I, I've used that recently in an emulator. Yeah, huh.
0: know, PR number six would boot from whatever was in slot six. I remember that. Yeah,
1: that's interesting. I forget what 3D0G zero, zero did. Not not that no, it I, really matters nowadays, yeah. but... No, I've been to Cedar Rapids. No, 3D0G gets you into... It, it gets you out of the assembler, right? So call negative 151 gets you into the assembler. 3D0G gets you back to the basic prompt, doesn't it?
0: I'm okay, pretty sure the go. DOS prompt... Immediate prompter, basic mode, 3D0G...
1: I anyways, think. this isn't about yeah. the apple no we're are we're, 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 we're getting lost here so yes yeah. Christian so yes Joe soft does make here and uh and and Joe soft is is now uh owned by the same folks that own Prosoft and I've had a chance to check out here it does exactly that and more it does all kinds of stuff you can find uh resonant frequencies of your speakers and tune those out so that you've got just a real rich sound without it sounding muddy uh it it does a lot of cool stuff and certainly is system wide, just like, uh, just like we were talking about. So very, very cool. And, uh, and thank you for, for, uh, for everyone uh, for writing it about that. We also talked about replacing hard drives, John, and we had some differing views on that. Steve has some excellent suggestions, regardless of your views, I think.
3: John and Dave, greetings from Dallas, Texas. Again, it's Steve here in Dallas. Um, was listening to 152, you guys talking about uh, uh, replacing hard drive laptop in a MacBook Pro, and I would, uh, there are two comments for you. One, you're absolutely right, putting it back together is the hardest part. Uh, I'm an Apple-certified portable tech, and I'll tell you that one of the things I struggle with is getting the tabs right in the top case so that the top case is back together nice and tight and that there's no gaps around the edge. That's one of the hardest and then the second comment when it uh, had to do with keeping track of your screws. And one of the best things uh, to use is either an ice cube tray or a uh, fishing tackle box, one of the small plastic ones with dividers. And you just basically, as you go, drop the, the screws from each part of your disassembly uh, into a, a new box and then just reverse the order. So hope that helps. Uh, keep up the great work and you can cut me off
0: here <laughs> all right oh and and uh, to to add on to that because uh, d- our pal duffy actually we uh I helped him uh replace a hard drive in in a machine okay and here's another thing you want to be careful of because we found this eventually because after we had closed it up it started acting up apparently in some of the machines there are pieces of tape and one thing the tape does is it prevents things from conducting and apparently we had to remove this piece of tape in order to get it a wire or a plug or a connector or something and had not put it back exactly as it had been before. So another tip, you may want to take a picture. Oh, yeah. What a good idea. Yeah, because you don't. We had placed it where I think it looked reasonable to be, but it wasn't specific. And every now and then there, the, uh, the the machine would short and it would just shut off, which I guess it was doing its job. Well, yeah. So, thank goodness. Um, but yeah, now that I think about it, a picture will show you how it should look <laughs> on the inside when you put all the pieces back in.
1: That's a really smart idea. I like the uh, I like the picture idea. Yeah, because, you know, when when if things short, the best case scenario is that the computer shuts off and no damage happens. And of course, the worst case is that it lets the magic smoke out. Mm-hmm. We all have seen the magic smoke. You You know about the magic smoke, John? It makes things work. It makes all electronics. All electronics work on magic smoke, but it needs to be contained in the system. And when you let that magic smoke out, it doesn't work anymore. I think we've talked about that before. Should we get on to some listener questions here, John? Yeah, we could do that. Okay.
4: Hey, John and Dave, this is Joe out of Raleigh. I had a, a observation and I guess a question related to, uh, to the time machine. Uh, I uh, recently went and, and uh, booted off an alternative boot-up drive on my, uh, on my Mac, and I had initially only done the time machine on the primary you know, startup or boot boot drive, uh, even though the, the secondary drive was generally a, a clone of that drive. you know, There were some things different, and it's like I just didn't have enough space to have to complete uh, backups in time machines. But it got to the point where that was the drive I was using most of the time, and I decided to go ahead and add it uh, or remove it, the exclusion <laughs> uh, out of Time Machine so that it would, add, in fact, back up this secondary boot volume. Well, to my surprise, it seems as though it did not go grab another chunk of, you know, 100 gig or 150 gigs worth of space on this alternative drive, which leads me then to believe that time machine actually is able somehow or another to compare file names and modification dates uh, or something to see if something even on another drive, if it's identical, it still only has one pointer. So it's not really pointing to just a single volume record and then deciding if it's the same. It is doing it across all volumes that, that you have included in that backup list. I'm not sure that's true. I haven't I haven't found anything that says that, but just just the pure use of the thing strongly implies that that's so. So that would be interesting to know, perhaps for the uh, readership. Actually, if, if you guys know for sure if that's uh, that's the case. Anyway, keep up the great work. Talk to you later. Bye.
1: Thanks, Joe. And uh, you know, Joe's a longtime listener when he refers to our collective audience as the readership, John. Because mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> You want to uh you want to take the you want to tackle this one no. John? No. <laughs> I don't know. I mean it just sounds bizarre because
0: as far as I know the you know the the way you keep track of things is uh the machine name and the drive name and all that so I uh, or maybe I'm just missing the the I don't know. I don't I don't think it's it uh, it was it sounded like he thought it was getting
1: smart as far as you know how much space to allocate. I sure like to think that That's, you know, that somebody would would actually be able to figure out, wow, you know, it's possible that we've got the same file on these multiple drives. But, man, there's no way that that's what's going on here. I can't I can't imagine that they've actually figured that out because it's it's just fraught with opportunity for disaster. So I, I think I have what I have seen is I've gone into Time Machine and let's say I've downloaded, you know, a big, huge update or something and said, you know, I've installed it and I don't need to have that live on forever, some half gig file or something out there in in time machine. So I'll go into time machine and you can highlight the file. And then in the menu bar, when, or the, the, if you're in the finder in time machine, the toolbar, if you go to the little widget menu, one of the things in there is remove this from time machine backups. And so I've removed stuff, big, huge things, you know, multiple gigabyte files, and then once it's removed, it and it, you you know you're removing many instances of this if it's something that's changed or even just one instance of a you know three gig file or something. Well, when you come back around uh, and look at the amount of free space on the drive, it hasn't gone up by that amount either. So I I think Time Machine does some management of the free space behind the scenes, and it's not always reflected on the on the front end. So what I'm getting at here is. I think what Joe is seeing is perhaps Time Machine is taking taking up some of that unreclaimed free space, if uh, if that's the right way to say it. And 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 perhaps that's why the delta between what it's using and what it was using prior and what it's using now is is not as big as the amount of space that it just dumped over. So that that's my thought, you know. Oh, you know, it could also be if. If it's a, you know clone of his boot drive, there's log files and and uh, various other temp files that Time Machine simply skips as a matter of course. Mm-hmm. So the
0: place that I would look because um, I have seen some messages that hint at Time Machine doing smart things, and it's if you, if you go to the console in the uh, system log and you look at yeah. uh backup D. Because I'm looking here now and it says no pre backup thinning needed. Blah blah blah. So I think that line has to do with where it's doing the calculation of how much stuff it it's getting ready to move over. Right. I don't know. I I I I'd, I'd poke around in in the the console and just see if uh what comes up here makes sense if maybe it is doing something really really smart.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it might, you know, although time machine and we've lamented this before, it does not it's not all that descriptive about what it's doing and cuz no. you know, I I mean I see mine, it backs up like 60 megs every time it goes and backs up. What the heck is it backing up? What have I done 60 megs in the last hour? I don't know. You know,
0: I noticed that too, and I don't think it... it, Because, yeah, I I seem to get this one figure that keeps coming up. Yeah. Like 300 megs, 300 megs, and I know... uh, Yeah. Now, there was a utility I found. Yeah. There are some utilities out there that can show you file deltas between before and after, and I I have to... uh, I have to look at that in more detail because it's starting to bother me, and it may be bothering some of you too. So that's a, a mini challenge. There you go. There you go. What the heck is time machine backing up all the time?
1: Yeah, what is it back? You know, speaking of time machine backups, we've 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 got a we're actually further ahead of schedule than we thought we were. I'm going to jump to a question that we didn't prep here, John, but uh, but I think we can we can talk about it a little bit. Uh, Steve had a question about time machine that seems relevant now.
4: Hey Dave and John, this is Steve from Seattle again. Got a time question for, uh, sorry, time machine question for you. I am considering a time capsule for my office where I use a MacBook Pro. I run Windows XP via Parallels, so my Windows XP hard drive is really a Mac file that's about twenty some gigs. And since that file will be changing all the time while I use Windows, uh, would Time Machine try to continue to uh, back that file up uh, on an ongoing basis. Is that going to uh, really hold up the process trying to c- continually resync a uh, 20 gig file? So I'd love to hear your opinion on that. Thanks a lot, guys. Keep
2: up the great work. Bye bye.
1: Yeah, you bet. Um, I d- I did a little research into this because I I just recently reinstalled Parallels onto my uh, onto my MacBook Pro right. Actually, I say reinstalled. It was never on the new MacBook Pro. It was on the old one. And I put it on there because we had some stuff that we were doing with uh, Atlas, which is an ad serving platform. And it only works with Internet Explorer because it runs some ActiveX control, which is ridiculous. But whatever. Microsoft owns it. Uh, So the idea is and there's some forum topics about this, John, where they talk about. How parallels now uses what they call striped disk mode similar to what we were talking about with how it saves how the macOS saves your your uh, your iDisk if you've got a clone of that on your local drive and it's supposed to only back up the stripes that change well my windows drive isn't quite as big as Steve's mine's just shy of 4 gigabytes but every time time machine ran it was going and backing up 4 gigabytes and I wasn't changing much if anything on my windows drive so I'm not convinced that it's doing it in Stripe format or perhaps just the way Windows is. It's updating too many things and that's going across the, uh, you know, all the Stripes. So I have simply excluded my, let's see, it'll be users, Dave. I believe it's users, Dave library parallels. I've just excluded that whole folder because if you quit parallels in the middle of a session, uh, it essentially puts the computer to sleep and saves a Ram image out. Well, my Ram, Mm -hmm. in in parallels is set to 512 megs so it's saving a big 512 meg file i don't want that backed up to time machine either so i've just excluded the whole thing and i I wish i knew of a magic answer but you know maybe maybe the magic answer is just take that uh that hard drive file and drag it up to your time machine once you've got a known working good setup and just drag it up there and then you've got it there and you can pull it back down if uh if you need to that's Mm -hmm. yeah i'd um the only thing i do,
0: so yeah, but well, my gut told me that, yeah, it's going to, be and, and I think that's one uh, shortcoming of Time Machine is that if you have big whopping files that change all the time, it, it you know, is not smart enough to know what parts in most cases. But right. um, what I would do is, yeah, is I would actually make an archive of that file. What I've seen, a lot of those files may have a lot of redundancy in them. So, mm. uh. you know, make a zip out of
1: it. Maybe it'll get smaller. Yeah, that's interesting. I wonder what would happen if you zipped a parallel drive. I guess it in theory it would get smaller, right? Well, I just got set up on that, so uh I'll let you know. All right. You you let us know. There you go. All right. Our uh our second sponsor for the show is Audio Engine at audioengineusa.com. You hear us talk about these guys all the time. They've been a sponsor of the show for a very long time. And we appreciate that. And we appreciate uh all the business that you guys give them. They are makers of both the A2 and A5 desktop speakers. The A5 desktop speakers are probably about a foot high, maybe 10 inches high, six inches wide and deep. Each two separate speakers and pack a real big punch. They also have the A5s have an AC outlet on the back and a USB port on the top so that you can plug in something like an Apple Express or Airport Express rather. Or you can actually use the USB port on top, not for audio, but for power. And then you can plug your iPod in. And have a self-contained kind of powered unit with one one plug into the wall and the uh, the a5s sell for 349 the a2s for 199 are like the a5s little brother but depending on the size of the room pack a huge punch and may give you uh, a great sound especially at a, a, a small desk if uh, if that's what you're looking to do so the a5 and a2 desktop speakers from audioengineusa.com And Mickey wrote in, John, we, you know, I've got, we get a lot of email that's very similar. Obviously, you know, we talk about certain topics on the show and the emails come in about those topics. One email that I've gotten consistently since we mentioned it most recently is what were those two sites you said I could go to to buy AppleCare? Okay. The two sites that I bought AppleCare from, and you can save like 50 bucks or more. Uh, is Megamax.com and Expercom. M e g a m a c s dot com or e x p e r c o m dot com. These two sites, uh, they're they're um, well, they're just wholesale. I mean, well, they buy the stuff wholesale and then they sell it retail. Think of Apple Care. It's it's warranty. It's an insurance policy, effectively. And so the markup on these things can be huge because they're really, you know, it. The cost is aggregated out across everybody that buys Apple Care, So uh, there, there is a much bigger profit margin on it. And, and these companies have the ability to discount it. The thing I'll tell you about it, though, if you're within, say, two weeks of your warranty expiring, it's probably not worth running the risk because you have to order from one of these places, get the, the physical box and then use the number in the box to go online with Apple and register your your policy. If you buy it and it comes late, you, there actually is a, a path at Apple that you can go through and, and get backdated and registered, but you got to show them the receipt and all this other stuff, much simpler to do it ahead of time. So if you know that you're going to want Apple Care and you want to try uh, and get it for uh, 50 bucks less or whatever it works out to be, do it, you know, give yourself a month, give yourself two months. Um, if it's right down to the wire, if it's the day before and you just got to have it, well, go online and just pay for it at apple.com because you can register immediately. So those are, uh, those are the two places. Have you bought it anywhere, anywhere other than that, John? Um, small dog. Oh yeah, that's right. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yep. I don't know if they still give you little dogs when you buy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Not live dogs, out. right? No, no. Little plastic ones. Oh, um, yeah. Well, actually, when I got this machine, I I did it through you know a corporate discount program, and uh, fortunately, they discount the Apple Care um, as well as the machine. So oh, very good. And you know, it just registers it right off the bat, and then you know, like uh, three or four days later, I got an envelope with the you know the policy name and a copy of uh, Tech Tools. Yep. So I was yep. wondering, you know, how is this going to happen? Do they uh, are they going to do the work for me? And and they did. So I didn't have cool. to go through one of those registration deals. Oh, well, that's
1: great. That's not a bad deal then. Cool. All right. Back to the questions. James has a, uh, he's got one for us and I think you've got the answer, John, or at least you've got a good answer.
2: Perhaps. Hey John, i Dave. Uh, I am a brand new, um, owner of a 3.06 iMac and I am loving it. Um, except for one tiny hitch. I, uh, I enjoy turning off my screen as, uh, my computer is in my, the same room as my bedroom, my bed. So uh, I used hot corners and it worked great for the first night uh, until I went to use my hot corner and it would not leave the, the display. i um, wondering if there's a fix for this uh, as also using uh, buttons three and four for my mouse uh, will not stay as dashboard and expose all windows. Um, so here's where you cut me off, but I would like a... Uh,
1: cut them I mean, off. Okay, I'll cut them off. I was just trying to live on the edge there, John.
0: That's okay. Oh, um, <laughs> so a couple of things here. Uh, so one thing I would try, uh, well, you had a suggestion today, but but first off to me, it sounds like a, a plist or a preference file is not doing its thing. Um, now, of course, the head scratcher here is which one. And a quick way to do that is if you go into, you know, your uh, user folder, library, uh, preferences, um, sort by date modified, and then fiddle around with that setting and see which plist file changes.
1: Uh, I like that. Oh, yeah. Sometimes,
0: and, you know, actually, that's just a general tool. If you want to know which plist file something writes to, it's not always... Um, clear now the other thing is that there's also a by host folder that should be in there somewhere uh you know look in that one too because that's specific i'm not sure what the criteria is for storing things in here uh it looks like it has the mac address of the uh machine buried in there right right yeah I'll have to explore that more so so anyways that uh, that'll be my guess or I guess dave you suggested uh permissions perhaps which i'm i'm up on that They're, yeah the, you know the, the i mean you try to write it and it just
1: fails for whatever Ex- reason exactly if the file if somehow the ownership or the permissions on the file have changed well then there's no way that the os can write to it if it doesn't have permissions to do so so yeah if that was kind of my thought was maybe the whole preferences folder the permissions might have gotten mucked up uh and for whatever reason the os can't go and save those so you're going to the hot corner and the hot corner isn't doing what you think it's supposed to do because the os can't set it to that and then it can't read it etc cetera, etc cetera. That's my thought, Uh, you know, permissions wouldn't hurt. It's an easy it's an easy thing to run and test. But uh, yeah, you may have a damaged prefs file. And I guess if you do have a if you if you try the permissions thing and it doesn't work and then you see a prefs file getting updated there, uh, go ahead and and, delete it. Right, John. I mean, I think that's that's the answer. Delete it and reboot and then reset those preferences. Yeah. Or make a zip of it in case it may contain useful and smarter. Yeah, I like that. Well, whenever I get rid
0: of something that potentially, yeah, like has a, you know, user specific things, you know, especially software you have to register, uh, right. I do that just in case. Um, I zip it because making a copy of it sometimes isn't enough to trick an app into looking at
1: something different. You know, if it's locked to the app. So, anyways, right? All right. Uh, ben wrote in, and this was a, an email from a little while back, but I think it's a good one to talk about here, John. Ben says he's a switcher since January and has two questions. One is that he's a Mac user that runs VMware, and this would also apply to anyone running Parallels, uh, to run Windows XP. Do I need to be concerned about viruses inside Mac OS X? I already have virus protection inside my virtual machine. Number two, is the upgrade to Leopard worth it? I run a multitude of apps from Adobe CS3 to VMware Fusion. I just haven't gotten a decisive answer from anyone else that I've asked. I have a black MacBook Core 2 Duo and two gigs of RAM, but I'm upgrading to four via the other world computing link that you guys keep talking about. Love the show. Listen to all the archives I could find. Please keep it up. Well, thanks, Ben. And I didn't I don't know why I read the end, but uh, there you go. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so I'll take the I'll take the virus thing. And I'll go way out on a limb, but it's a limb that uh, I've stood on many, many times. And I think you've stood there with me, John. Don't bother with virus protection for Mac OS 10 these days. I haven't had it running on my Macs since Mac OS 9 went away and we couldn't run disinfectant anymore. And I haven't needed it since then either. And that might have even been before Mac OS 9. It might have been like Mac OS 7 or System 7, as we called it. Uh, So, no, you don't need to worry about viruses Crossing over to uh, to the Mac side from from the Windows side, and John, I'll I'll let you, I'll, I'll pass the ba- um, pass the baton to you.
0: Well, if you wanted to, though, uh, I don't know if you've uh, ever run uh, on Windows or Mac. Uh, Clam AV, yeah, or uh, so there's a, a, a open source freebie one call, and it's it says it's a free virus checker for uh, Mac OS 10. So uh, my only reflection is that if it's anything like the antivirus that I've seen on the PC, is that it gets in the way. Yeah, I mean, especially if it's scanning every every gosh darn file, I mean that takes time and resources, and it's going to slow you down. Then, um, and, and I've noticed that sometimes. Also, they, you know, sometimes can reach out and tell the machine to start doing a full disk scan. Like, uh, dude, not at two in the afternoon and I'm working. <laughs> uh, you know, fortunately, we have admin on our machine, so we can, you know, uh, disable that naughtiness. But, um. And I guess the thing here is: is it worth it?
1: Hmm. Upgrade? You mean upgrading to Leopard? Is that what we're doing? Yes. We're jumping to question number two. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead.
0: You know, I, I have to think about this for a while because to me, it, it, if there was one, even though I've you know said a few uh, said a few bad things about it, I, it, to me the 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 biggest feature, um, and it's getting better all the time is time machine. If I had to think of any one reason. Because you know I'm looking at the other things, so they have a couple of pages we'll link to here. Where they show the major features, and you know none of them really, you know, the desktop's a little different, the finder's a little different, Quick Look, uh, Mail, iChat, Spaces. Um, I don't use a lot of those things, and maybe it's just because I don't use them. Um, you know, spaces and mail, I, I, I haven't yeah. bothered with yet. I chat, I, I typically only use it really. I don't do a lot of video chatting. The, I, I see that's enhanced. I do mostly text.
1: Yeah, okay, um, so you're you're glossing over my list here because there's actually, I'll agree with you that, that Time Machine is, pr- if I had to pick one thing about Leopard that makes it, mm-hmm. you know, definite, just go buy this right now, Time Machine would be it, but... You know, something like iChat screen sharing and iChat theater, those can be really, really cool, especially the screen sharing thing, man. If you've got to help your mom get something done, uh, being able to take over her screen while you still got an audio chat going. uh, And I do this with with friends and, and old clients and stuff. Just being able to go through and do that on the fly. It works really well. It works better than iChat's video chatting, which can be a little quirky to to get the firewalls to work with, although they keep getting that making that better. Um, I, I really like that. And then the iChat theater thing where you can take, you know, a keynote presentation and actually run it right there in iChat and and you got, you know, your little picture down in the or your little video window kind of down in the corner and then your big presentation right up there on the screen as you're running your keynote slides and moving through or sharing a photo library or a PDF. All that stuff can really, I mean, that, I I think, I think it's often overlooked. Now I am a mail user. So uh, the, having the calendar integration into mail and being able to track my to-do list with smart mailboxes and that sort of thing, that's actually really cool. I I do that a lot. Um, And I, I, you know, it's the kind of thing that I use every day. So, and preview, right? Preview in the finder, being able to hit spacebar and listen to an audio file right there, scrub through it. Uh, you know, I think I think there's a lot of things that we might take for granted there. And and Spotlight is way, way, way faster than Tiger. And I think that's another one of those things that except for the first week that, that I used Leopard, I don't think about it now. But heaven forbid I had to go back. Um, I think I'd be miserable. So I, I, I think it's worth it. Yeah, I do. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I do, too. And uh, I think it's at the point now where it's settled down enough. Yeah. I mean. You know, you and I are both dumb. I think, in that we're like, "Oh, I got to buy it immediately and install it <laughs> on something."
1: Well, we have to do it for our listeners. We got it. Or even
0: know. worse. Well, I don't. I've. I've. I avoid beta operating systems. Yes. Um, ones that are clearly defined as beta, as pre-release builds. Right. Right. Because <laughs> I don't have extra machines to destroy.
1: That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I'll only use betas if it, if it is, if it purports to solve a specific problem that I uh, that I'm having or have had, uh, then then I'll jump to the beta. But otherwise, I agree with mm-hmm. you. It, yeah, OK, I'll no have way. to
0: try some of this stuff. I haven't actually tried some of the iChat stuff you were talking about. The yeah, share. now I have done uh, now, you know, that the screen sharing in general, I think, has just, you know, it's it's uh, built in now. Yeah. You know, rather than you that's know, right. To sneak around that's with right. And see. Yep. So uh, that's another thing. So, you know, and, and they do have uh, we'll link to this, but Apple does have a see all 300 new features
1: um you know some of the very small things uh some are not so yeah yeah it's actually um, worth reading through that list because i i find things every time i read through it it's like oh yeah i forgot about that and then you know I'll, i'll integrate it into my my workflow or whatever so yeah cool well i'm glad we uh i'm glad we pulled that one up that's a uh that's a valuable little thing. And, and, and of course, let's open this up to uh, to everyone here. Not that not that you folks need an invitation, but uh, email us, call us, write us uh, with any of your thoughts about why leopard is is worth it or not. You know, we're you, you know us. We're not uh, we're no Apple apologists here. We'll we're happy to. Happy to lay waste to things that uh, that deserve it. So. Uh, all right. Are you ready for this geek challenge, John? I think this is Go. pretty cool. Okay, this is a uh, this is actually from John Keat, who is a fantastic writer, and and uh, and we're often often graced with uh, his words on on TMO.
5: Hey John, this is John Keat. I've got a quick question for you uh, that I think a lot of other uh, of the other geeks have probably been experiencing as well, and that's what do you, what do you do when you have a ginormous um iTunes library that is encoded all in lossless, and you have a relatively smaller iPod. Even if you have the 160 gig iPod, you're not going to fit in five or six hundred gigs worth of music. And the iPod Shuffle has this great feature where you can uh, automatically downcode and tra- uh, transcode uh, higher bit rate songs down to 128 kilobit. And this has the ad- added advantage of not messing up your Uh, ratings and settings and any other things that you've uh, done. Um, The alternative, of course, is just to manually transcode these things, but then you have two entries in in your iTunes library and you have to somehow synchronize your star rating and all that jazz. So why is this feature available only for the Shuffle and not for other uh, music uh, players uh, or or larger iPods? My my question to you is, is there some hack to get the, the Shuffle feature? Uh, so that it works with your iPhone or, or larger iPods, and uh, that we can have this automatic transcoding. I think there's also uh, an iTunes uh, script that might be available that does this. Uh, I forget um, it's at one of the the script sites uh, that uh, that's kind of uh, out there, but uh, I don't think it, it works quite as automatically nice as the as that shuffle feature. So. Uh, um, I'd love to hear any suggestions you have for for uh, fixing this problem. And uh, Dave, you know my email anyway, so thanks much. And I look forward to hearing your great erudite answers on this question. Thanks so much. I love the uh, the podcast. Bye, guys.
1: Thanks, John. Yeah, uh, th- that's an interesting question. So what he's talking about is is where when you when you sync up the shuffle, you can actually tell it to downcode those files. And yeah, so it, 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 iTunes totally transcodes this stuff down and saves it in a format that's smaller and puts it on the shuffle. But I think, I think the reason that it only does this for the shuffle is because the size of the shuffle is, is limited, right? It's a gig or two, and then that's it. Well, if, and, and I think when this process, iTunes transcodes it on the local drive. And then saves it to the shuffle or transfers it to the shuffle. If you did that on the local drive with, say, you know, for an iPod, that's 150 gigs. Well, you'd have or 160 gigs, I guess, is the size. You'd have a big problem if your drive was only, you know, if you only had 20 gigs free on your drive. So I I think that's probably the thinking behind it. Also, it would be a hugely time consuming process to do this. Now, of course, they could be smart about it and just transcode it and save it to the iPod in one fell swoop. So there was no temporary space, but uh, apparently they don't. So yeah, I think at Doug's uh, what, what's it? Doug's scripts.com or Doug scripts.com. Uh, Doug's got a jillion Apple scripts for iTunes out, out there. and And I'm sure there's one of these that, that approximates this, but I don't, I don't know of any way of, of doing this. And you know, now that he mentions it, Part of the reason that I keep my iTunes library at the bit rates that I do is for my iPod. So, yeah, this would be a great thing to uh, to open up. Uh, do you have any thoughts on this, John, before we uh, mm. before we turn it my over? My only
0: thought was the one he suggested, which was the hack of maintaining two different versions. But yeah, yeah, that's just nasty. You know, I wonder if there's a little, you know, I got to suspect this is a feature built into the device because I think that's where you select the down sample thing is, is when it comes up in your list of iPods.
1: Right, but I'm pretty sure I don't think that's in the device. I think that's oh oh well. Clearly, iTunes is doing the heavy lifting. the The preference may itself may be saved on the device, but but I don't I don't think the shuffle is actually doing actually, the transcoding. No, yeah,
0: no, you make a good point. Yeah. Um. And it is Doug Scripts. Thank you. Yeah, he's got he's got a boatload here. So yeah, that's uh. That, I'm with you on the reasoning as to why, because it's a relatively constrained device. But why not let everybody in on the fun?
1: Yeah. Speaking of the fun, let's let the band in. Right there, they are. Uh, do we have anything else to talk about here, John? We've been talking for hours. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's so we're skipping the uh, we're skipping the show next week. Most likely, we will be in Vermont this weekend. But uh, both traveling back on Monday. So unless unless somehow we wind up with extra time in Vermont, I'll bring the road podcaster. Uh, if we get inspired to uh, to record a show we will be able to but my guess is it's going to be 2 weeks folks so taking the 5th week of may as a holiday anything else john iphonealley.com uh, that's the site that michael Johnston runs when he's not busy converting this podcast into aac for your viewing pleasure your interactive viewing. listening you for sure well that you can view the little uh the you know the graphics and Icons that he puts in there, then you can click on them if you like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cashfly provides all the bandwidth for the podcast and you get to uh, download it lickety split from them. Podcast Marketplace includes the A5 and A2 desktop speakers from Audio Engine, BB Edit from Barebone Software, Text Expander from Smile on My Mac, Harmon E Travel.com, and uh, this week we added today from Second Gear. Very happy to have them on board. Anything else, John?
0: Nah, we already told them how to, how to hit us. How
1: to hit us? Yeah, that'll work. And we have call recorder for Skype from Ecamm Networks in the uh, podcast marketplace as well. All right. Let's, uh, if I can find iTunes here, I'm going to move us right into the uh, the fade out here. Or the fade in, I guess. My throat's shot. Gig Friday night. Oh, really? Hmm. Yeah, sound was weird on stage and I sang too loud, I think. Rehearsal yesterday, two podcasts today. Take a break. we got to drive up to Vermont at like midnight on Friday, so I hope we uh, don't get caught.
3: <laughs> May